Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. Thursday morning, the 16th of May. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. With just over a week before the local and European elections, politicians will use the closing days of the campaigns to influence the election. If uh, the political temperature can be measured by the issues raised in Leinster House uh, this week, broadband, the costs of insurance and the housing crisis may top the agenda after heated uh, debate in the Dáil during leaders' questions yesterday. Otherwise, a major rally outside of Leinster House will take place uh, this weekend to protest over the housing crisis. Broadband will be discussed by the Communications and Climate Committee today and it may call for the decision to roll out the €3 billion plan to be investigated. It may also discuss how Ireland is to be fined millions of euro for failing to meet climate change targets, while another committee, the Public Accounts Committee, will examine the cost of the new National Children's Hospital. Irish politicians might applaud the European Commission if it brings about a reduction in the cost of insurance premiums when TDs and senators failed to succeed, but they may also grapple with how the trust investigation is being brought forward by the Commissioner who slapped a €13 billion fine plus interest on Apple to be repaid to Ireland. And so to the timing of a €50 million aid package from Europe for Irish beef farmers, which can be matched by government to make a total of €100 million to be paid out to farmers. Gavin Riley, political correspondent with Virgin Media News and political columnist with the Meath Chronicle, is on the line. Good morning, Gavin. Michael. It's very busy, isn't it? A week out from the elections, though, is everything the politicians say said with the elections in mind, and should everything be taken with a grain of salt? Yeah, there probably might be. Even the fact that Leo Varadkar yesterday said he would absolutely welcome an inquiry into broadband because he believes that the government has nothing to hide and that it will come out of this smelling of roses, but that he wants it all to be done with a sufficient time frame would suggest that he would like it to all kick off after everyone goes to the polls in eight days' time. Um, even though the most cynical bit of me this morning looked at the idea of that 100 million euro uh, aid fund for beef farmers who have been stung by Brexit and looked and said isn't it very convenient that Fine Gael's Phil Hogan and Fine Gael's Michael Creed have come up with such money uh, eight days before Fine Gael is looking to take control of, of local councils and looking to, to return uh, four seats to the European Parliament. So and the sums are amazing as well. How much were the farmers looking for? 
Star Wars were looking for uh, 101 million euro. Uh, that was the amount <laughs> okay. that was on all of their uh, their um, placards and everything outside City Hall in Cork a couple of weeks ago. Uh, people might remember that uh, Fine Gael decided to bring the uh, mm. cabinet meeting down to City Hall there. There was a huge uh, IFA demonstration outside, a real uh, display of, of colour and show of strength from the farmer's body, um, saying that they had already been completely stung by the collapse of um, sterling and everything else, and not, not least the fact that the uh, British consumer tastes are slightly changing with Brexit on the horizon. Mm. And they said, we've lost about 100 bit, uh, million euros worth of business. We're already struggling to make ends meet and the government needs to step in and uh, you know make good all of the losses that we've incurred since then. Well, Lo and behold, two weeks later, a week before the elections, look what has just arrived down from uh, the heavens of uh, Agriculture House and the heavens of Brussels. Suddenly, the 100 million euro that farmers were looking for. I, I suppose you can't have everything, but when you're just 1 million short of 101 million, you're not doing bad. And yeah. uh, that's something that the opposition will find very hard to argue with because they'll want to be seen to support the Irish farmers. Well, well this is it. And I mean, I suppose that there's there, there's also the fact that, you know, you, you can be cynical and say that this obviously has an electoral thing in mind. And you could add, by the way, that Phil Hogan might be looking for another five years um, as a European commissioner and that he might need to curry some favour with the Irish government to do that. Hence, it could be a good idea for him to, to come up with money like this. Um, but also, you could say that, look, if there weren't an election, uh, farmers would still be um, in serious financial problems. I spoke to many of them at that cabinet meeting two weeks ago. They were very vocal about the financial strain that they were hitting. They said their, the, the prices per head and the prices per kilo of meat were far below what is even break-even at this point and that they really needed aid in order to be able to, to keep food on their own tables. And so, um, you know, the, this is a, a very vital investment as far as they're concerned and it's got nothing to do with the elections. But, of course, when there is an election just over the horizon, no matter what you do, everything will be viewed with electioneering in mind. Yeah, I'm sure ra- eyebrows will be raised uh, because of uh, the timing, uh, but uh, there's no doubt uh, about uh, the accusation that the government is electioneering with its broadband announcement. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And this was a point that was made by Michal Martin yet again yesterday. The dollar's only been back for, for four sitting days since the Easter recess, and broadband has been at the top of the agenda uh, for every single one of those days. And yesterday, Michal Martin put it at its bluntest. He said, listen, you guys are, are playing fast and loose with the electorate by announcing this plan, which you were supposed to have off your desks well over six weeks ago, but you're only announcing it now because it means that when you go to the doors uh, for local elections that you can tell people we're bringing broadband to your area and that nobody can complain about it. And, and it was funny to that end uh, to see this morning in the Irish Times to see reports that although you know, some of the, the national media and those of us living in the Dublin bubble might be still a little bit obsessed with broadband, that apparently the feedback from the doors in rural areas is that they're quite happy with the announcement that whatever about the cost, they understand that delivering a very resilient future-proof network is going to be expensive, uh, but that they see it as money well spent if it makes sure that people in rural Ireland aren't left behind. So the government will be perfectly happy to do that. Uh, I thought it was interesting to see Leo Varadkar try to turn that whole argument on its head. Yesterday he said that Fianna Fáil was actually trying to play politics with this because this is something that every government has been looking at for ages, and Fianna Fáil was only now complaining about the process because of the fact that it was a week and a half out from the local election. So perhaps the shoe fits on both feet, as it were. But um, like I said, it is very difficult to avoid um, any suspicion that with uh, the, the, the moratorium kicking in in what is it about 173 hours or so that, that everything is being viewed with that lens and that everyone is trying to squeeze every last bit of electoral comfort out of any announcement that there is going. And if people in urban areas believe uh, that money is being squandered uh, will it come into play when they go out to vote? 
Uh, it's a good question, I suppose, because everyone will sort of have an attitude of, you know, what's in it for me, that people who live in, in relatively urban areas that already have services like uh, high-speed broadband at their doorsteps who aren't necessarily concerned with the, the price of beef farmers, uh, those of us who might be thinking about going vegetarian and who are trying to cut meat out of our diets anyway, uh, might be a lot less fussed about exactly how much money uh, beef farmers have in their pockets. And um, I suppose a good question would be exactly what, what the government has in mind for those people. Again, I noticed that only yesterday or the day before, suddenly the government was elaborating on its plans for a Lewis for Cork City, for example, so that there's always some other thing up their sleeves. Uh, in Dublin, there's a whole question mark about uh, the further um, advancement of the metro line, the talk about mm. bus connects and some of the extra bus services that might be added. So, you know, they, they will all say that this is added up as part of, of uh, Ireland 2040, that national development plan, and that it doesn't matter when the, the elections are going to be, there's always some election around the corner, all these things are coming. Um, but it would lead you to think that not only is all of this being done, perhaps with a general election in mind, but with the possibility that this doll may not be around for very much longer, because bear in mind, with those European elections coming up on Friday of next week, um, some estimates would reckon that there could be half a dozen empty seats in the doll afterwards, and some people might see it as being a bit wasteful if you were to hold some by-elections for those seats only this autumn, uh, if those newly elected TDs were only going to end up sitting for a few months before a general election late this year or early next year, and there is a theory that perhaps maybe the results of the European elections and the, the vacancies that it will create in the doll uh, could bring about a hasty end to, to this doll and the general election one way or another anyway. Okay, Margaret Vestager has been a thorn in the Irish government's side for a long time, in particular because of the Apple tax ruling and mm. uh, the 13 billion plus interest uh, amounting uh, to around 19 billion, if I remember correctly. Uh, she was speaking in a, a European debate last night about how Ireland is a tax haven and we keep changing the rules as uh, they fit to facilitate people who want to avoid paying tax. Uh, but she could end up being a hero in this country for bringing about uh, a change in how insurance premiums are calculated. Yeah, it, it's funny how you, you can be a hero to Irish taxpayers or shoppers and be uh, some sort of a, a pantomime villain to the Irish government at the same time because, as you mentioned, she's previously been very vocal about uh, Apple's tax bill and that is something that a lot of taxpayers might feel uh, very supportive about because if they think that Apple has got some sort of a €13 billion Euro sweetheart deal, they are going to want Apple to pay their fair share so that taxpayers themselves might be able to pay less. The Irish government, of course, says that this is uh, a soft approach by the EU trying to take over all of our tax controls. And now we have a situation where um, if her investigation into uh, possible uh, unfair operations within the Irish insurance sector is carried out, that we could have a situation where perhaps premiums might come down or that we might have a slightly fairer competition among insurers. But bear in mind, again, this is something that the Irish government will be looking at with gritted teeth because the insurance database, which she is now investigating, which she has suggested might perhaps be allowing for unfair uh, operations, was actually something which the government had to pass a special law to create. There was a special law that was put through the Oireachtas only a couple of years ago to facilitate the setting up of this insurance database because otherwise it would absolutely have been seen as some sort of a price-fixing or cartel or that insurers didn't have the right to share details about one client uh, with another insurer that they weren't a customer of. So this is something that the Irish government has been uh, working on itself and the, the scheme which is now being investigated is something which has explicit legal authority and the government's blessing to act. So if it turns out that in the end of the day, if, if Margarita Vestager does find 
something untoward in the way that this insurance uh, database has been operating, uh, then once again it will be something which will be to the benefit of uh, your Irish punter and your Irish shopper with the amount of money in their wallet. Uh, but it's something that the Irish government might be looking at through gritted teeth a bit. It's all about the economy, stupid. Uh, we've been talking a, a lot about money for different reasons. The Children's Hospital will come up today and uh, of course the cost of that will play into the minds of everybody who goes out to vote uh, next week and indeed uh, the cost of fines for uh, not uh, reaching our climate target, uh, change targets uh, as we've mm. been hearing, 150 million euro. But does that mean that people will be going out saying, look, will you charge me more for diesel and petrol and that sort of thing? Well, the funny thing is that if you actually break down the sums about the 150 million euro fine that Richard Bruton has been speculating we could be hit with are the amount that we might have to spend on what's called carbon credits to basically offset the fact that we're not meeting our targets. Um, the cost of buying a, a tax credit uh, per tonne is way, way less for the government than it is for the punter in actually buying it. As people might know, and there's been talk about this for uh, the last couple of weeks or months now, uh, carbon taxes as they apply at the, the petrol pumps or anywhere else are 20 euro per tonne mm. uh, and the government proposes in the next couple of years to raise that up to 80 euro per tonne to quadruple the tax which could add something in the region of 10 to 15 cent per litre uh, on the cost of, of, of filling up your car or your home heating tank uh, and that is a significant pinch but the government says it has to do that because the climate is changing and we have to take some sort of meaningful action to stop the, the earth slowly incinerating itself so that's one position but if the government needs to buy some of these carbon credits in order to, to negotiate its way around doing all of that it buys carbon credits at something in the region of six cents per tonne, and in some cases, perhaps even less than that. So people will find it interesting mm. if Richard Bruton is trying to, you know, uh, threaten us all with the prospect of punitive financial action or the prospect of the state really being hit where it hurts in its wallet or in its coffers because of all of this, when in fact it costs the state around six cents per tonne to buy credits to get itself out of a hole, but it's going to cost the Irish uh, taxpayer in the coming years uh, up to 80 cents per tonne to get out of that. So I think that the finances of that could be uh, a little curious, and I think if anyone's able to articulate that properly in terms of um, a politician being able to sell that argument to punters, Mm. uh, it could be a very, very interesting thing. Notwithstanding the fact that, of course, and this is a, a little bit of a tangent, but yep. um, if you ask any rural TD about uh, the cost of, of carbon taxes and the, even those who accept that climate change is a reality and needs to be tackled, the one thing they will say is that as soon as you increase carbon taxes, you make haulage more expensive and that ultimately means that bringing food to a supermarket becomes dearer and the food itself becomes dearer. So if it actually affects the cost of the food on your table as well as your trip to the supermarket to pick it up, uh, then it could have uh, effects all over the place and it'll be interesting to see if that idea ever catches on. Um, as regards mm-hmm. the, the national Children's Hospital. I don't know necessarily will that be as much of an issue for this coming week because it is the local elections and Fine Gael isn't necessarily running on the same you know, platform of um, you know financial prudence and fiscal responsibility and all the same stuff that they might be running in in a general election. But but nonetheless, I suppose it might be an unwelcome fact for the government the fact that this is now back on the political agenda in Leinster House only a week out uh, from the local elections. I'm watching a feed of the Public Accounts Committee this morning and they're about to call in a series of figures from the. Uh, the development board, which is responsible for delivering that National Children's Hospital. Uh, one of them is a man named Paul Quinn, who is the official head of government procurement. So mm. you would think that he is the person in the state who has the most expertise in making sure that you get good value for money. As we know, uh, that expertise doesn't appear to have been borne out. And again, it's going to be another situation where a leading civil servant is going to be sitting in front of politicians in, in the next half hour or so, uh, telling them about how the government has dropped the ball. So okay. although it may not have an electoral impact uh, for, for next 
next week. Certainly, if there is a, a general election in the near offing, uh, you can absolutely expect other parties to be uh, reciting his evidence again when it comes to knocking on doors. Before you leave us, Gavin, I can think of one politician who will tell us that climate change is not a reality and that coal means jobs. Are we going to roll out the red carpet for Donald Trump? very many carpets rolled out at all because he's pointedly trying to stay away from as many people as possible. But, but as has become his habit, he's going to be staying in his own resort in Dunebeg, thereby funneling American taxpayers' money into the pockets of his family because all the, the Secret Service agents and everyone else who's taking care of him will all need beds for the night and I'm sure Donald Trump will find very nice suites in Dunebeg for them. Um, but it, it does seem as if that he's going to be staying down there and that although uh, Leo Varadkar may head down that direction, possibly to Dromoland Castle rather than to Dunebeg itself for a meeting, uh, that Donald Trump is pointedly staying away from crowds uh, in as much as he can. Um, I do find it interesting that he's going to be staying in Dunebeg and then only day-tripping over uh, to Normandy for the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. He's supposed to be, the whole point of his European trip is to be in Normandy on June the 6th for that anniversary. Um, And I find it a bit curious that he's only going to be in France for a couple of hours and that he's making a point of staying around trying to get a few rounds of golf in uh, as soon as he can. Uh, One thing which will be very interesting is whether after he leaves Dunebeg, whether he's got another plaque on the wall uh, awarding himself some sort of golf honours because (laughs) apparently... There is a, a, a consistent trait among Donald Trump that when he no. goes to various golf resorts that he owns, he declares some sort of competition to be taking place at the time that he's there. Right. He plays around, mm. but he doesn't allow anyone else to enter. And then he declares himself to be some sort of a captain's prize winner, and he puts <laughs> his own name on the wall. So whether there is another mm. little shiny yeah. bit of brass on the walls in Dunebeg in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have to wait and see. Very good. Hopefully the weather will be good enough that he won't need to light a big coal fire, but uh, we'll leave it there for the moment. Gavin, thank you indeed for joining us. As always, Gavin Riley, political correspondent with Virgin Media News is also a political columnist with the Mead Chronicle. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Parking charges in hospitals have resulted in significant revenue, almost €22.5 million, Euro, according to the latest figures uh, which relate to 2017. 103,652 raised in Navan, €88,118 in Dundalk, and €618,055 raised in Drogheda. The figures were obtained by Sinn Féin's Louise O'Reilly, her her, uh, party's spokesperson on health, uh, who's on the line. And uh, a very good morning to you and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, A lot of money. In fact, uh, I suppose you could argue it's an invaluable revenue stream. Well, it's also a tax on the sick, Um, you know, at, at a time in their life when maybe people can least afford uh, an additional charge. So, I mean, if we look at what the Irish Cancer Society are saying about this, they're estimating that uh, a cancer patient who obviously can't skip a hospital appointment needs to go to hospital, that cancer patients are paying in the region of €63 Euros a week uh, for car parking. And it's really just another charge. And if you, if you think about it, Michael, and your listeners will be familiar with this, you know, at that time in your life when maybe you might be off work, you could be on disability. You're certainly on a reduced income because you're not attending work every day of the week. You have no choice. You have to go to hospital. So at the time in your life when you can least afford it, you're having to find €63 Euros just to park. I mean, these are not people who can find themselves and say, well, look, I'll, I'll park a bit away. I'll park you know, a couple of miles away where there might be free parking and I'll walk. These are gravely ill people mm. who have no choice. The same for parents who have to attend, uh, who have to attend hospital with their kids. You know, if you have a child with a with a long term illness and you require a lot of attendances in hospital, it really works out as just a tax on sick people. 
And I mean, I, I just think, you know, I, I agree with the Irish Cancer Society on this when they say that the charges really represent uh, a, a terrible burden, particularly for cancer patients, you know, obviously in, in, in their case, but really for anyone who has to go to hospital. I mean, you know yourself, you're not going to go there unless you have to. Nobody's mm. going into hospital for, uh, nobody's going in for the crack. They're only going because they absolutely have to. Because they oh, and it's a, an awful lot of money and uh, some hospitals uh, charge more than others, it would seem, and uh, some hospitals charge more than it costs to park in uh, the middle of Dublin City like Our Lady of Lourdes for example uh, you have two car parks there uh, one charges two euro an hour the other charges four euro an hour uh, if you park at that car park which is on the hospital grounds you could pay up to 40 euro to park there for the day 20 euro is uh, the maximum charge at the other car park which is across the road at uh, the cross lanes it's an incredible amount of money for people to come up with uh, and it is no wonder that people have uh, taken exception to it yeah. And I mean, if you look at, say, uh, if we look at Wales as an example, OK, and I'm, and I'm not disputing that this generates a certain amount of um, a certain amount of revenue for the hospital. But if you look at what they did in Wales, they put a 10 year plan together to gradually phase out the, uh, the, 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 the revenue and make car parking free. Now, nobody is suggesting that, you know, we can turn our hospital car parks mm. into um park and rides for for people who are going to be commuting. That's not the case. You can put checks and balances in place. But I just think that that money on top of, you know, at at the time in your life when you can really least afford to have to find extra money, you know, you're you're paying for, you you could be paying for your treatment, you could be down income um, if you're working, and then all of a sudden you have to put your hand in your pocket for up to, uh, as you say yourself, 40 euros a day. I mean, 40 euros a day if you have to attend hospital two or three times a week for uh, an extended period. That's a phenomenal amount of money. And yeah, but it, it probably wouldn't have. apply to people in that situation, not in Drada anyway. Uh, and I mean, if you look at a, a hospital like Dundalk, uh, they would have a, a number of free spaces and then paid for spaces. Their uh, revenue uh, from this is far less than in Drada. But uh, in Drada, they have a, a hardship fee if uh, you're regularly using uh, the hospital, if you're a, a, a frequent uh, patient or uh, if uh, there's a, a case of hardship, uh, there is a flat fee of four euro a day which can be negotiated with a social worker exactly but that has to be negotiated with a social worker you know i mean it's still you have people who will be paying that i mean the the irish cancer society surveyed their own patients and they came up with the figure of 63 euros a day as or 63 euros a week my apologies as uh, an estimate Mm. of what people are currently spending and I mean, we're not talking about, you know, doing this overnight, but I, we are talking about looking to places like Wales and to Scotland, where they have, in Scotland, they, they, they've started to phase it out in Wales. They're at the end of it. And car parking is free now for patients mm. and staff in hospitals. And it is for a good reason. You know, it's not, uh, it, it's, but but, but that, that that rate is available to people if they can't afford it. And if you forego the money, uh, well, then uh, you may have to give up 20 nurses, let's say. I don't think it's uh, it's the the equivalents can be drawn in that way. I think what we can do is we can look at how it can be phased out. Uh, we can look at ways that 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 income could be replaced. It's not a case of saying, well, if you spend it on this or if you if you cut off that revenue stream, you're going to have to suddenly uh, start not recruiting nurses. I don't think it's that simple. But I do think we need to look at phasing them out. And as I said, Michael and, and your listeners would be familiar with this if they had to attend hospital for for any length of time. 
this is coming from the Irish Cancer Society. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're the ones that are saying it represents a burden for uh, for the people that they are representing and for the people who are using the services in hospital. And they have no choice. I mean, yeah, you have to go. If, you, if you're a cancer patient, you have to go and get your therapy. You have to go mm. and you have to attend hospital. And it does represent, uh, I think, a burden on people really when they're at a time where they can't, when they can least afford it. Yeah, um, and, and 600,000 is a, a, a lot of money. 600,000, sorry to cut across you, 600,000 is a lot of money in Drogheda, but in Cork, it's over 3 million. It's a lot of money to make up elsewhere. How, how do you get the money if you give up the charges? It is a lot of money to make up, but bearing in mind that represents a lot of money that people are paying out of their own pocket. You know, these are people mm. who have no choice they have no option. They have to go to hospital and they're having to pay it at the moment. So I do think that the government should look at how we can phase out. Um, I'm not talking about doing it overnight. Nobody's talking about falling off a cliff and suddenly stopping that stream of funding. But if you look at what they did in Wales, they phased it out over 10 years. That's how to do it. I mean, you know, you need to do it in a planned and a systematic way. A lot of these hospitals have contracts with private contractors. These are people who are making a huge amount of money. The, these are the, the privately run hospital car parks are very, very profitable. So what we would be saying is where you have that contract signed, look at phasing it out. You're not going to turn the contract off overnight. We know that. But look at phasing out the contract and look actually at the people who are paying for this. It's sick people that are paying for it. And I just don't think that that is right and you know I mean we were listening to calls from the Irish Cancer Society and they have been saying this for a long time you know particularly in relation to certain hospitals where maybe people have been clamped as well because they have overstayed I mean and you and I have spoken many many times about the trolley waits and about the the length of time that people have to spend in hospitals so you go in you think you might be going in for an hour or two you end up stuck in a queue and you're there for maybe three four five hours and we have people in, in hospitals in Dublin coming out and finding that their cars have been clamped you know, and I mean, that really is wholly unacceptable, but that's mm. what happens in, in a privatised system, which is designed purely and simply to make a profit. I don't think that the, the car park and the hospital should be run for, the, for a profit. I think they should be run for the benefit of, uh, of those patients that need it. And I don't think it's fair to ask sick people to, uh, to pay that subsidy to a okay. private provider in many instances at a time in their life, as I've said, when they can really least afford it. Mm. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you indeed, as always, for joining us uh, this morning. Sinn Féin's spokesperson on health, Louise O'Reilly. Michael Reed on LMFM. On the 24th of May, you're being asked to vote in uh, the local and European elections as well as a referendum on divorce. In the European elections, uh, there are 17 candidates in this constituency to choose from. Olive O'Connor is an independent candidate looking for one of uh, the four seats in the European Parliament. Uh, contesting uh, the constituency of uh, the Midlands North West where we are. She joins us uh, by telephone uh, this morning and uh, a very good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, here on the programme today. Good morning and thank you for having me on. I'm not so sure how well you are known to our our listeners so perhaps uh, you'd tell us a little bit about yourself and why you've uh, decided to stand. I know that you're one of uh, three people who are running under the banner of Families Speak Out so maybe you'd tell us uh, what Families Speak Out stands for. Absolutely so um, Families Speak Out is a group it's a support group for people um, who have had so many issues with our health system over the years Uh, three of the founders myself um, Ashley McNiff uh, who's representing Dublin, and Colin Worthington, who's representing South, um, all decided to run for um, the in, as independent candidates in the EU elections um, because, I suppose, 
the tipping edge for us was the National Children's Hospital, the overspend, the location, etc., etc., and no citizen engagement. Um, but the issues are far um, broader than that. And as we know, we have 500,000 people um, on waiting lists at the moment in the country, 70,000 waiting for surgeries, a deficit of 500 consultants. Um, and we have uh, 26 communities with no GPs at the moment. All of these um, things are issuing, are, are actually affecting citizens right across the country and um, patients where they're left undiagnosed, untreated. And we feel it's really, really, really important that we actually look at how we can change that. And um, in Ireland, we currently have no right to health care, no legal right to health care. We're just lucky to have it. And uh, we think it's imperative that we actually enact and ratify the European Charter of Patient Rights to actually bring patient rights into law to ensure our government actually start listening to us and stop wasting our money and spending us on things that are of immediate urgency. Would you consider yourself to be a single issue candidate? Absolutely not. Um, all the issues I rose there are not single issues in relation to um, the different areas that they affect. Uh, the one platform we have is health, and we we have a very simple slogan, which is uh, Three Mothers, One Mission, Make Healthcare a Priority in Ireland. We can see across the media, even in local papers, it's highlighting all the big topics, such as um, climate action, uh, neutrality, uh, Brexit, etc. Healthcare isn't getting a mention anywhere, and yet in Europe, Healthcare is one of the most important things that's dealt with out there on the committees. You're looking at public health policy. We're looking at EIB loans, for example, for the National Children's Hospital. Um, that a 490 million loan, uh, 25 years uh, for an unfair project. What we have is a lack of a patient voice and actually specialised healthcare advocates. Mm, uh, on that platform out there. Uh, and tell us uh, about your experience as a, a patient advocate uh, because you're a mother of four daughters who have health problems and your husband had a, a stroke at a young age. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, my story is, uh, is quite unique in that um, we have such a range of um, health conditions with our children. Now, they're all doing really well at the moment, which is why I'm in a position to be able to run for candidacy so, um, yeah, my four daughters all have various chronic conditions, um, heart conditions, juvenile arthritis. Um, my husband had a stroke at 42, and I also cared for my parents. Um, over the years, obviously, I've seen firsthand the issues, uh, waiting two to three years to see consultants, waiting for MRIs, and so on and so forth. So from that, I became um, an international healthcare advocate. I've qualified as two international fellowships in healthcare, worked with voluntary sectors across the country, and work with patients every day. Um, in that, and um, in my role as an advocate, I've seen that um, our current government can be quite dismissive of advocates and actually dismissive of the statistics. Um, recently, actually, in, along the journey in the campaign, um, I had first-hand experience of a sitting MEP for Fianna Gael um, at a public election um, uh, podium um, when I was sharing the story and the issues that are, arise with carers and the elderly um, actually saying that, well, look, all people have children with disabilities and people with older parents. And I found that the manner in which it was delivered was so disrespectful and dismissive. And on top of that, when I presented... OK, you're going to have to tell us who it was, or otherwise we'll have to ask them all on and give them uh, a right to reply, Olive. All I can say, it was a lady. Um, yeah, no, you're going to have to tell us who it was, Olive, uh, because uh, you've made okay, an accusation I'm against somebody. Yeah, well, it was in a public forum, and um, I will absolutely no problem say that it was Marie McGuinness. Okay, well, we'll um, ask Marie McGuinness to very, respond to that. I was mm-hmm. very, um, I was very, I was sitting there. I had shared the story. I shared all the statistics mm. of the waiting list. Now, these were compiled by national advocacy organisations across the country, and basically, mm. the response that I got back was, "Well, actually, the technology can get data wrong. 
answer patients don't turn up for appointments and that can affect it. I felt that really disrespectful and I said like elderly people are out there in the community with no transport or support and to blame them for you know a wrong statistical waiting list was was very inappropriate. I did challenge it on the day um, we had an independent candidate, um, James Mullen, he was uh, there on the day okay. and okay. he had the same issues. Okay, well, we'll obviously give Maiden McGuinness a, a right to reply on that. Uh, I think uh, she'll argue that she's a very strong record uh, in terms of patient advocacy and uh, indeed uh, in terms of representing people with disabilities. Uh, if you're not that well known in political circles, uh, television viewers may uh, be more familiar with you. Uh, you uh, were on Dragon's Den at one stage, were you? I was. I was on Dragon's Den, so... Obviously, as I said, I, I came into the world of advocacy um, for um, my children. And from that, I learned that, again, with our system being broken, we've no actual health records. So I developed um, a health record uh, called MediStory, which is now brilliantly being embedded into our health system. And um, from that, um, I learned along the way um, that this was a big issue where people were trying to actually just keep their data together. Um, so I went on to Dragon's Den. Barry O'Sullivan invested in me and... Um, it was a fantastic experience, um, and even with MediStory itself, the National Director General of the HSD um, endorsed all the work that I had done in patient advocacy across the country, not just working with patients, but working with staff as well, the front line, the people that actually keep us here today. Okay, well, listen, thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Olive O'Connor is an independent candidate, one of uh, the 17 candidates in this constituency, and we hope to speak to all 17 before polling day on uh, the 24th of May, which is a week from tomorrow. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. On the 24th of May, you'll be asked to vote in the local and European elections as well as a referendum on divorce. Our local election pre-election coverage will feature debates with candidates from each of the local areas every day in the run-up to polling day. We hope to speak to as many local election candidates as possible. The larger political parties have selected which candidates to put forward or asked LMFM to select candidates by holding draws, while independents and others are being chosen to participate through through draws. Today, we'll hear from four candidates in County Mead. After the break, we'll debate the issues with Alan Tobin, a Fine Gael candidate, and Joseph Toot of Ain2. Both candidates hope to take one of the six available seats in the Ashburn electoral area. Emma Ferguson of Sinn Féin will also join us as a candidate for one of the seven seats in the Laytown and Bettystown electoral area. Fergus O'Reardon is an independent candidate candidate in the Rathoth electoral area. Fergus had agreed to participate in today's debate, but unfortunately he's not able to join us as he is unwell this morning and we wish him well. Michael Reed on LMFM. Okay, well, as I said before the break, we're across two electoral areas in County Mead uh, today with uh, apologies from Fergus O'Reardon in uh, uh, third electoral area, the Rototh electoral area, but we are joined by Emer Ferguson, who is a Sinn Féin candidate in Laytown and Bettystown, and two candidates in the Ashburn area, Alan Tobin, a Fine Gael candidate, and Joseph Toot, who joins us as the AIM2 candidate. And you're all very welcome to the studio and thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, this morning. Joseph, uh, you're a first-time candidate uh, and uh, the only non-sitting councillor with us uh, this morning. Maybe you tell us why you've decided to put yourself forward and why you've decided to run for AIM too. Okay, um, well thanks for having me on first of all and I've decided to run with AIM2, a new political party. It's a grassroots movement 
uh, for people that are fed up with the establishment that they see at the minute and for uh, for uh, th- th- this is a this is a new a new new party for the people by the people a lot of new a lot of the people in this party have first time first time in the politics but are fed up with what they see going on or, mm. or haven't seen going on. Right. Have you always been uh, interested in politics? No, this is no. my first really? first time to be involved in politics. Really? And at, it, I, I believe that um, a lot of the people are not happy with what's, com- what's coming, uh, what, what they're getting, mm. what they're not getting. And this, this is a party to challenge the establishment that our, our, our focus, like... Uh, for, for for me, run the reason why I've mm. I've uh, come uh, put myself forward is I believe that I I can serve the people be- uh, very well. Uh, I can I'm hardworking, honest, and reliable. Mm. Everybody is, and though, I, you know. I mean, or at least everybody <laughs> tells you they are. So yeah, uh, tell yeah. us what you mean by challenging the establishment. What does that mean? Challenging the establishment. The people are not happy with what's what's happening. Uh, that's the feedback on the doors all around. More needs to be done in the local 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 areas, and also, um, I mean, we're we're this this party um, is is a new movement, and we need to get more people involved in mm. politics. Politics have um, politics have have not have not served the people well, and the infl- we only have to look around us to see. Every area is in crisis at the minute. Our infrastructure is in crisis at the minute. Our healthcare is in crisis. Um, our safety regarding w- with the ge- with the policing of the country is in crisis at the minute. People don't believe that there is a government running the country at the minute with everything that they see going wrong. And it's one thing after the other, one crisis after another. The hospital crisis, the broadband crisis. Mm. They, these are these are these. The, People need to stand up in Ireland. Uh, they, they need to start telling the government what they want and how 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 it's going to best serve okay. the people of okay. the country. All right. And uh, this, perhaps this, this uh, perhaps, perhaps you'll forward. tell us now, what you want uh, uh, yeah, a little bit later. Hold that thought for a moment yeah. because uh, we'll open up the discussion. Eamon Ferguson, do uh, you consider yourself to be part of the establishment? No. Most definitely not. Um, we, we in Sinn Féin, um, I suppose... Technically, we're we're not the only opposition or the main opposition, mm. but in reality, we are because, as we all know, what we have there is a Fine Gael government being held up at scaffolding from Fianna Fáil. So, you know, technically, we are are the main opposition. Am I part of the establishment? No, I wouldn't consider. Um, Do you think she is, Alan? They're long enough around now to be part of the yeah. furniture, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, they're they're talking about cozying up to your party <laughs> at a, a national level. Absolutely, sure. Mm. After a national election, mm. you'll never know what way the parties will be, you know. Or even after uh, the, the 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 local elections, you mm. don't know what state the the, the parties will be within yeah. uh, Mead County Council itself. T. Shockley over Atker, Thomas to Mary Lou Macdonald. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite a we could only dream, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, we'll see. I, I mean, bringing it back to local, we 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 left the door open back in two thousand and fourteen to all parties to talk to Fianna Fáil, the group of independents, mm-hmm. and Sinn Fein at the time. And in the end, we made, we did a deal with the independents. So the 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 the, the national government is being propped up by uh, independents as well, and uh, we're working quite well with that. And I think that that brings a, a whole new dynamic into it, where you're getting that independent voice as well. So mm. that's that's working quite well. 
you know. Yeah, people would have been listening to you this morning talking about uh, poor water quality. Uh, it's a, a, an issue uh, that uh, you have real problems with, but are, are you not in part responsible for it, uh, given the establishment of Irish water and how all of that has panned out by the Fine Gael government? Irish water, is, uh, uh, my impression of Irish water from the very get-go was that it was it was a great idea to, to put all of that water infrastructure into one to try idea. and... And the Fine Gael idea, mm, fantastic yeah, idea, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, what, what it was doing was it was bringing all of the... If I bring Ashburn in as an example, mm. at the Dublin border, there's a different water supply. Mm. And when we had the crisis with Staline in the summertime, mm. we had to bring a 100 metre pipe from the Dublin source to the Mead source so that we could connect it up. Nonsensical stuff because the old border, uh, the old Mead County Council mm. regime and the, and the Fingal County Council regime, they never linked up or anything like that. The thing about uh, the water in Ashburn at the moment, and it's some good news, I suppose. Staline, I believe, overnight has 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 been upgraded. Yeah. Has, has been upgraded. Mm-hmm. So our new two and a half mm-hmm. kilometre pipe that we promised to put in has been put in, mm-hmm. and hopefully that's going to stop seventy thousand households or whatever it was last summer uh, from from not having a mm-hmm. water supply uh, like it happened during that crisis. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, the other thing then is that we have a problem in Ashburn where we had boreholes in Curraha and boreholes up at, at a place called Rath where there was high iron and manganese in the water. We talked about that on the video on, on, on our Facebook page. And basically we're having a problem now trying to clean out th- that pipework. Mm. We've sediment in it and everything else and we now have funding to do what's called ice pigging. Uh, funny old name, but what that is is that you basically scour the pipes with crushed ice. And this is a solution that they tried down in, in County Okay, Kilkenny. this is uh, the technical remedy. But what about the policy in managing water services? Uh, is it right? Uh, and if there is poor water quality, is it not as a result of Fine Gael policy? Absolutely not. All of this is historical. I mean, if you look at it, the, 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 the water treatment plant in Staline has mm. had a problem for a long, long time. There's been co- what's called THMs, which are carcinogens, where we were hitting hugely high levels on that. We got a, a European um, uh, directive to, 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 to say that we could 
allow the water to go mm. in with high iron and no, high no, amenities well above. Going back the technical stuff again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah, what I'm saying yeah, is we're yeah, sorting yeah, this. The, if I, I if think I, the THMs are, are questionable anyway, but mm. they are going into technical stuff rather than policy uh, and how it's to be managed. Yeah, well, how it's to be managed. Well, what, what we wanted to do was we wanted to charge for water, obviously, mm. because we wanted to replace what, what was mm. broken. Um, and, and people won't forget that. Eamon Ferguson, when you hear Alan Tobin talking about water quality uh, and how it was a, an historical problem his party inherited, uh, do you find that a bit rich? Uh, very rich indeed, because instead of pumping the mo- the, all the money into um, water meters and and the phenomenal costs of the the consultants in Irish Water, they would have been served better to actually start fixing some of the pipes, some of the the um, infrastructure that was there. Um, talking about the water as well, the the problem. Um, we found in the beginning especially now is because within housing estates where there's a sewerage problem who's fixing it? Mm. It's not down to the council anymore to do it and Irish Water are Mm. refusing to do it. Well you can't call the council. You can call the council yes but if you're backing up are Irish Water going to come out and fix Mm. it or is it down to the people who are doing it? Well you can call the council but it's pointless Uh, I mean it's Irish Water's responsibility and then Irish Water tell you it's your responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it mm. it didn't actually solve anything. In but fact, the council used to come out. Yeah, in, they would. Have, they would previously. Have come out. You'd yes, have called the council yes, yeah, and yeah. you'd have said my drain is blocked, and mm. the council mm. would have come out and cleared it. Why yeah. does that I mean, not happen anymore? And especially in Ashburn, mm. there are estates mm. in Ashburn, and mm. and they are having mm. dreadful. And this can run into thousands of euro for people, can't yeah, it? Yeah, and in yeah. two thousand and seven, yeah. all the other councils in, in, in mm. the entire state, except for Mead County Council, uh, stopped doing it, and we continue to do it. Um, we do have an issue with that, and again, that's to do it. That we stopped doing it. I don't think so. Well, no, I absolutely mean, not. Absolutely, mm, I'm affected mm, by it. Mm, I, I have one of yeah, these private mm, public mm, sewers, yeah. which means all of the public sewers behind my house mm. they come into a junction, uh, and but at this that is junction there can be blockages. Policy, isn't it? That's Irish Water policy. It's not Fine Gael policy. <laughs> oh, now okay. there you go. But, but, hold no, on a no, minute. It is. It is are because you're, you're because the, the legislation mm, is to be changed, and yeah. they are trying to relax that mm. rule or whatever that comes in. But again, I go back to. The, the, the infrastructure creaking and mm. uh, so Irish Water is running the country is it? Irish Water is running the water in, and wastewater infrastructure yeah, that's yeah, what they're doing yeah, full yeah, stop yeah, yeah. And, uh, so the government has lost control has it? No, but sure, you have, you have people there in charge of something, and you have to. I don't believe in people in politics coming in and, and trying to, to uh, implement their ideas on well, a company. Let the company do the work. They, do they're think, the experts. Gabriel? What do you think, Gabriel? Um, you did make a comment there. I can't off the head. Um, I can't remember what it was um, about Irish water um, running the country. Run, yes, oh, Irish yeah. con- and the we see we see the very same. The government tried to hand over the water to, and they have handed the, the water mm. uh, system over to Irish Water. You can see them doing the same with mm. the broadband at the moment. They're they're going to pay for this five three five billion to for the broadband. And at the end, sorry, we're all paying for mm. it. The people are paying mm. for it. And at the end of the day, it's a private company that's going to own it. Okay, Joseph, jo- Joseph when, 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 you, when you hear the establishment yeah. going back and <laughs> forth like this, it would bore you to tears, wouldn't it? The, the, this, 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 is what, this is why people have to stand up and, and bring about change themselves. We, we're, we're hearing about this for so long now. The younger generation are not being involved in politics no. now because of what they're seeing going on uh, th- it's one one policy after another to affect the country and actually nothing been uh, nothing happening here on the ground well now in fairness the for the last hundred years you've had Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, <coughs> Labour yeah. between the three of them 
and it's never been any difference. There's always been one of them. Gale together and no matter what they do wrong they'll not be held accountable for anything because they have the power well, and that's, that's, not, that's not a democracy they are held, held accountable at the ballot box every five years you yeah, have and, a choice and, and but un, un, exact, unfortunately where, where there are people, people there are actually people who are they're doing the same thing they're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results it's not going to happen mm, until pe- people stop voting the same people I, I suppose the thing about it uh, Joseph is that people want to turn on their tap and water to come out that they can drink that's safe to consume Uh, and then uh, at the other end of it uh, they want to be able to flush the toilet and the stuff goes away uh, and doesn't pollute the seas and riverways and so on Uh, so what's the AIM2 proposal on dealing with all of that? Well the AIM2 proposal on dealing with these issues is that we we actually have to have an overhaul of, of this of these policies that are, that are happening, not not um, not it's no matter what um, what they've done, it's 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 costing the taxpayer so much money here, and at the end of the day, we're we're still not seeing results from any from from our from the parties in power. We're not seeing any results. Anybody could come up with proposals to make things better than what's happening. Well, it's a starting point, though, and isn't we, it? It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, 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 nationally, the wastewater needs about ten billion investment. The, that's what has to happen. The, the fresh water, in fairness, in me, we are doing something about it today. Is a big day because seventy thousand people mm. have security of water in Ashburn. When we do, when we do this in the next three to six months, we'll have clean water, and that's not just for for families who are affected. It's also for businesses that are affected. You know, going back to the broadband, if you canvass rural areas, they want broadband. It's a, there's a real urban-rural divide there, and we that will pay. But that will pay back dividends. You need to open up to how broadband is going to develop over the next few years with e-health, with businesses, and everything else. That will pay back dividends. People will be able do to we work have, from home. Do we, do we have to do it in such a way that at the end of the day, paying out all these billions, we don't own it. The state don't own it. They're handing it over to a private company. We're, we, we'll have a seat on the board uh, and things like that. And there are stipulations that if if it's. Uh, if the company was to try to sell it within 10 years, I think they're, they're, they're not allowed to do that. No, they're not But allowed. we have to get this They still the don't ground. own it at the but end of the day. talking about it and trying to come up with arguments and other uh, ways of doing it, that's all been done. What are you We need about? to put it in. What are you on We about? need to put it in. What, what are you on about talking about it and trying to come up with ways? The government has been trying to do it for seven years. Yeah. They've been talking about and it and trying plan. to come up with ways. And of course it's a plan because the government is going to take all of my money and pay for it, mm. uh, regardless of... And it will pay uh, back uh, in dividends. And, yeah, to the Investors, who are putting, investors who are no, putting in ten percent, two hundred and twenty, two hundred and twenty million in comparison to three yeah. billion yeah. euro, uh, and you think it's a good deal for the state? It, it, it's going to be a good deal for the, day, the state because of the jobs it will sustain be, and create, and it will pay back in dividends with e health and all of these other be, things be a very, in the future. It'll that be a very happen. good deal for Herman Kroofman, won't it? Look, do you know who? I'm not her, familiar with who he is. I apologize. Well, well, I tell you, he, 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 he's a retired. Belgian farmer uh, who has a, a little house uh, 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 at uh, the edge of a cliff uh, on the west of Ireland and he, right. spe- he spends three days in June there and four days in September there every single year and when he comes over for the three days he's going to have high, high speed, speed broadband. broadband brilliant unbelievable and do you know how much we're going to pay to put that broadband in for him 60,000 euros or something like that something probably like that. for his 40 connection 40 or 50,000 yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, his yeah, yeah. connection but it's there forever 
It's there forever. Yeah. Now the other thing and, as well and is that's a good deal. What, what, what about all the kids? It, it will pay back in divi- mm. in, in in years to come. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I have no problems stating that. But the thing is that you think of the kids that have to go. In, and and mm. in Ashburn, this happens. It happens, I'm sure, in mm. in, in your area, Emer. There there are areas in Ashburn where where kids have to go down to the library to upload their 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 uh, college. Uh, uh, projects mm. in order to get them in. Do you know what I mean? And they, 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 they deserve broadband the same as everybody else deserves broadband. So well, does the farmer no, who wants nobody, to put in his, nobody, his nobody is actually, and everything else. Nobody is arguing <clears throat> that people let want jo- Let Joseph come in and come back to you. Broadband. Broadband. Uh, do you, do, do we you think we should pay it, for broadband at any cost, it. Joseph? Uh, by, by the time the government roll, roll this out, technology has already moved on and this will be obsolete. How will it be obsolete? There's, there's, there's the new technology is 5G is coming, coming for, for people that's that's what people are looking at 60,000 aerials that that you need around the country and and there'll be people there objecting to that the same way they're objecting to wind the same way they're objecting to solar and we're about to be hit with a 150 euro uh, or million euro fine do we uh, from the, the EU do on we that have the pylons already in place with the ESP no they're talking about mm. using light poles and things like that in councils and everything else we mm. don't have it we don't absolutely don't have it and yet again, they're not going to listen to the people of the country, what they want. The same as with the hospital up well, there. I think and, Alan and, might be right that people in, in rural Ireland want this. People in they're rural quite Ireland. happy that people in urban Ireland pay for it. Yeah, the, the, that's... Uh, the, but by the time this rolls out, this is what I'm saying, this was a ploy for votes again by the party, not for the people, just for themselves, mm. to keep themselves in power, not thinking about the people here. They're going to. This is going to be another overspend. Same as the hospital crisis mm. again. Not listening to people. Not listening to the experts. By the time they roll this out again, we this technology will have moved on, and we'll all have our own. Uh, we'll all. Well, have if it is a, a apply for votes, uh, what have you got against rural Ireland, Emer Ferguson? I have absolutely nothing against rural Ireland, um, and I'd like to um, define rural Ireland in terms of the broadband. Anything outside what they call the blue area, as we saw on a map. I live two miles outside of Drogheda and I am considered um, rural Ireland. We have places in, and that's what I'm saying, nobody is saying people don't, people don't deserve or need the broadband. We do. But there are people who, they may live on a two-mile stretch. In fact, I do know somebody and they live dead set in the middle of it. And he has a connection at one end and a connection at the other, and his is deplorable. Mm. He can't actually run his business mm. properly with it. And that is only out the road. That mm. is only three miles out the road. Uh, and um, you're calling for a, a, a bypass of Julianstown. Maybe you wouldn't need the bypass of Julianstown. Ah, come on, have, if you ever, have you ever sat or, or even sat? Of course you I have. Go out but, to the Limekiln and sit there and watch the traffic l- going by l- Let me put the question to you. Maybe you wouldn't need the bypass if people could work from home. Well, see, that's another thing. Why haven't we got... And yes, we do need... Again, we do need the broadband, just not the way it's being done. Um, out of this county, we're hemorrhaging 20, or 86 or 85% of people out of the county mm. every day. We should, on the East Coast, yeah. we should have... We, in this county, we have four motorways. How, how many people would, would leave to go and work elsewhere if they could work from home? Uh, because considerably um, less. less because of broadband considerably yeah. less mm-hmm. yes that's what I'm saying that's there isn't a problem everybody dividends. everybody wants the broadband <clears throat> everybody wants it it's just the way it's going okay and that's a, a big issue with you yeah. I think as yeah. it is with everybody in that area roads are an issue with you two guys as well there's enough problems in the Ashburn area Alan Tobin 
Yeah, so we've got the, the, the Primates Town area where it's basically a, a, a bottleneck uh, in the morning time and people can spend, I think, up to an hour e- each side of that junction trying to get into Dublin to... to uh, commute in the morning times. I have a proposal in at the moment for, obviously there's a feasibility study being done at the moment to, to see will we put a dual carriageway there or will we put a motorway there but what is it doing to the local economy uh, we've got Tato Park on hold with yeah. a 400 bedroom um, hotel and we've got uh, a well a solar farm that's on hold over there as well uh, and that's to power the, the, the place itself. Is this another study? This feasibility study, no, it isn't. This is the twenty five thousand euros that was announced. Um, but the people who are charged with doing that job have been appointed now. Um, I have a proposal in with the NTA at the moment to put a dedicated bus lane in at the moment because obviously this is a good for a couple of years down the line. If you had a dedicated bus li- bus uh, lane going down from, we'd say Ratfai Cross mm. or Kilmoon Cross uh, down through into uh, Ashburn and beyond, Ashburn is becoming a transport. But this can't hub. happen before twenty forty, can it? The uh, bus lane can, of course. No, uh, the road uh, itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, the road itself. Yeah. The, the twenty forty argument. Uh, they're they're saying that look, the, uh, like it's anything else, they can di- in the it's not included plan, in the twenty forty so, plan. So, but but, but so, it, it so, can be. It, so you talk can find is cheap. funding. No, you can find funding. Talk I mean, is cheap. We're, we're, Dublin Derry. Find the funding. Du- Dublin Derry is the only link that we don't have motorway wise mm. to, to a city to, to, mm. to Derry city. And in my eyes, that has to happen. Mm. You, you see what's happening in Derry and uh, and um, the, the reasons why we don't have um, with Slane. With Slane, yeah, yeah. A commitment there. They, you know, to join it up, join the dots. Oh, exactly. Really, exactly. Is, is but the dedicated bus lane, mm. what that would do is that would knock 25 minutes off mm. people's journey, it would push people onto the buses, get park and ride, put in those proper mm. uh, bits and pieces at a very low cost and push those people onto the public transport and try and reduce the traffic that way. Joseph, there. if you were to be elected uh, councillor, do you think uh, you could uh, bring about some relief for motorists? In the last... Uh, I, Going around canvassing the last five years, for most people, nothing has changed. And that's shocking, like, you know, mm. that that nothing has changed in their areas. Term and term again, that's five, you know, a lot of, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these issues are ongoing since the last, since the last elections and the probably elections before that. There's park and ride facility needed out at the end too, out beside, uh, up by Kentstown. That's 18 years one lady is looking for that at the minute, like. There's, there's a big difference and between this and five years ago. I mean, people have jobs. Yeah, and I, and I would have to, to disagree that, that, that things aren't happening. You'd want to come over to the East Coast and see in five years ago, when, when we got on, on change the, the council, there was one thing that I found living over there, and I've been over, thir- over there 34 years, um, was that Meath County Council almost forgot about us. Yeah. So they d- they haven't forgotten about us now. And they have put in, and I'm not defending them. They could put in a hell of a lot mm. more money. I can tell you, if we weren't, if we are actually the mm. lowest funded county in yeah. in the country, mm. as as the statistics prove, there is almost seventy thousand per annum, seventy million, sorry, per annum that we are losing out on. That yeah. others with three government ministers. And it's it's unbelievable okay. how we we're not um, getting a bit more. Okay, well look, our, our time has pretty much run out. I did say before we put the mics live uh, yeah. that uh, it'd be over in the blink of an eyelid, uh, and uh, I think that is uh, very much uh, the case uh, today. But before you leave us, uh, perhaps uh, you'd like uh, to make a, a closing statement. If we could just ask e- each of you to be as brief as possible, Alan Tobin, maybe you'd. Uh, well, I'd like to, to agree with Emer there uh, about what we've done over the last five years within the council and. 
all of the South Mead uh, councillors, I think, at the time wanted what was fair to to, to uh, the south of the county. So we, 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 we the town councils of Kells, Trim, and Navan, the power houses of Mead were, were dismantled effectively. Ashburn is the second biggest town since 1990. We never had the luxury of a town council, but we did get a brand new Ashburn municipal district, and I think that that it's worked. I think that it, 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 putting people first, which is what the, the reform of government was, has absolutely worked. And I think that all the 40 councillors within Mead County Council have done an excellent job. They're all in there for the one reason, to improve their own communities and not one of those people, I believe, are in there for any other reason. Um, obviously, we're, we're, we're up again for election. And um, look, I'd like people to, to, to reflect on what they th- think uh, we've done over the last five years and those improvements that there are. I mean, in Ashburn, we built a 24 million euro uh, schools campus. Um, we, we have sorted, hopefully today, uh, the water issue and we're working on other plans and other bits and pieces and I'd like basically a, a mandate from the people to continue that work uh, okay. into the future. All right, thanks, Alan Tobin of Finnegal. Uh, Joseph Toot of Ain2. For the people of the rural, more rural areas like Screen, Rafai, Tara, uh, Ardka, all, the, all these areas that haven't seen any change in the last three terms of elections, they need to use their vote People need to use their vote wisely this time. They can't vote the same and expect a different outcome. And that's a... Ain't who will provide that. And I'm fresh-faced to this uh, to politics here, but I am a man that, want to get thing, that wants to get things done. And I can't say, stay at home any longer and see what's not been happening around our area. Our local areas are neglected. Okay. Seriously neglected, time and time again. That needs to change. Okay, and Emer Ferguson of Sinn Féin. Um, I made a promise five years ago to, um, as I said before, to put East Meath on the map with Meath County Council. I feel um, that we've achieved it. Um, they know we're there. And I feel we've done it by working together. There, there's, a, there's a lot to be said to, to working together in collaboration um, with, with each other and not just work in silos and go off on our own tangent. Um, I've enjoyed the last five years. There's many projects there that, that have begun. They have started the, the new building and the beach management and the whole thing. I'd love to be there to, to see that fruition because we have worked damn hard to, to get that far. Um, and my promise, I suppose, um, is to, to continue to work that hard for the Very people. Good. And hopefully I will get the same man- mandate as I got the last time. Yeah, well, thanks for that. And thanks for to all of you for coming into us uh, this morning. Uh, all of uh, the debates are being shown on Facebook Live. Uh, you might want to give a, a nod to your supporters as we wrap up with uh, thanks to Alan Tobin of Fine Gael and J- Joseph Toot of Ain2, both candidates in the Ashburn electoral area, and Emer Ferguson, who's a Sinn Féin candidate in the late Town and Bettystown electoral area. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages uh, that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and to all our listeners. Some have already been in touch in relation to the debate. Mm. Um, and Joanne from Ashburn is one of them and she says the numbers leaving County Meath every day to go to Dublin to work is something that needs to be addressed. People have no family time anymore, Michael, because they spend so much time on the road. There really needs to be a huge effort to bring more jobs to the county so people can try and work locally. And for those who still have to commute, a big issue for me is improving the bus services, mm, Yeah, says Joanne. That's a good idea, yeah. 
uh, Mark was listening to the election debate and Mark is agreeing with Joseph from In2. He says he's right on one thing and that's in relation to the broadband. Uh, he feels, Mark, that what they are proposing by the time it's rolled out, it will be out of date. Mm, well, I think there's a, a lot of experts who uh, differ on uh, that particular aspect of it, yeah. Uh, another listener if you lived in rural Ireland Michael this is at you mm. and had to try and run a business with no Wi-Fi you'd pay anything to get it in okay yeah yeah. so moving mm. then yeah. the problem I think that some people have is that uh, other people are going to pay 45,000 euro for people in the remotest of areas uh, to have it connected Joe, John from Honest Dubai says that only one candidate has called to his door so far. Really? Well, I say who it yeah. is. He told us who it is. Or will I not? Will I, be ah, I think you better not. Okay. No, 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 no. Because no. I'm sure they're all calling to doors. Uh, but I, I have seen them about. Uh, but sometimes you're not there when they call. That's right. Well, John says he lives in a fairly rural area in Honest Dubai and that there's a number of families living in that particular area. area. And he thinks it's all very well and good, Michael, for candidates to come on the radio. Mm. But if they're looking for the votes, they should be going out door to door and actually meeting voters. Okay. Um, another listener says, in relation to the European uh, elections in general, says, some of the candidates who knocked on my door looking for votes uh, says have a, 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 for European candidates have a better chance of uh, says that Man United have a better chance of getting into Europe than some of the candidates in the European elections. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. I don't know rather that who's that unfair to. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just feel that I suppose a lot of people competing that he, this listener feels don't yeah. have much hope. But then I suppose it's up to the voter, isn't it? Well, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, he, he may be right. Uh, he has to be right to some degree uh, because uh, there will be more losers That's than right. there will be yes, winners. Uh, 17, 17 in, candidates for Constituency. Yes. Uh, there has to be uh, 13 people who don't get a seat out of the 17. Michael, we had a mountain of um, comments in relation to the hospital charges because we, oh. we, we put it up on Facebook, flagging mm. it, and lots of people got in touch via Facebook and also on our text messengers. And I'll go through a couple mm. of them. Emer says that um, she feels that you when, you, when you're parking uh, in the hospital, you're not sure where the money is going to. And she says that she also feels the car park could be better laid out. And she says she doesn't think car parking should be free, but she does think it should be charged differently. That maybe like in shopping centres, the first two hours are free and then an hourly rate after that. But feels that for people who are receiving treatment, it should be free. Mm. Anna says ridiculous amounts of money for parking. Feel it definitely should be abolished. My baby was in neonatal for over two weeks, paid parking every day. It all adds up. Maybe free to a patient, family or carer or even just reduce the fee. Siobhan says my dad died in Drogheda Hospital seven years ago he was there for about two and a half weeks beforehand so we were there 24-7 between all of us parking coming and going we worked out that between us we spent about 900 euro on parking for those two weeks as God, a family Yeah, it's a, an incredible amount of money uh, and we should just uh, outline uh, that there are various charges if you're a frequent user or if uh, you want to claim hardship uh, there's a 4 euro daily rate uh, for people who are using the hospital. Otherwise, in the short term car park, it's uh, €4 Euro a- an hour. That's between 20 minutes and an hour. Uh, that goes up to 
7.50 after that for an hour to two hours and there's various rates uh, for all of the hours uh, eight to ten hours then is 30 hours and the maximum you'll be charged is 40 euro yes mm. uh, Stephen says if charges were abolished people would abuse it and leave the cars there all day I do think it should be free if you have an appointment of, or if you have to visit frequently and stay for long periods of time like parents need to be if their children are patients mm. Uh, Anne says that there should be a special free permit allocated to one car for a family or friend, whoever is the daily visitor to use when a loved one is staying in a hospital over 24 hours onwards, it would take the financial burden Mm. off people. Uh, a caller from Cal says that the money they charge for parking in hospitals she feels is a rip off you wouldn't mind if it was one euro or two euro a day but charging by the hour is very unfair uh, another listener Catherine says a few years ago I had my son at the hospital my husband came over for a few hours to let me home to shower and sleep I came back parked my car left in his car so moving two different cars in and out cost us more in the long run we would have been better leaving my car parked as long term and paying the hour parking on his as we switched shifts I think we paid 140 or 170 euro in parking over the two days Okay, it's a lot of money so it is a lot, <coughs> a lot of, money. of money yeah yes. and, uh, obviously an issue that uh, people have a very significant problem with uh, we've heard about a, a lot of issues on uh, the programme recently in relation to the local elections because you were out yes. speaking with people in Navan and uh, they told you uh, some of the reasons that will make them go out and vote. Uh, we've been speaking with European candidates uh, and just wanted to mention that we're going to have a, a couple of debates on the day before the actual vote which is a, a week from today and we'll That's have right. eight of the European candidates, eight of the 17 candidates with us in the studio. That's on Thursday of next week. And uh, then of course we go out and vote on the Friday. That's yes. in the local and the European elections. And um, there's something else, isn't there? There is. Yeah. There is a referendum. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I think uh, in some parts of the country there's plebiscites uh, right. on uh, whether they want to vote for mayors or, or not. But uh, across the country we're all voting in a referendum. What's that about? Well, that's what I asked. Well, yeah, well, let's hear what people thought about this referendum and what they are being asked to vote on. Not really. I only heard about this about a week ago. So you will know. you vote on that? No. I definitely won't vote. And why? Just, I don't understand it. But but I don't think it really makes much difference because the young people now, if they want to be with someone, it doesn't matter whether they're divorced or not. (laughs) That's my... So you just won't vote? No, not for that, I won't. Well, I looked into it myself and there's information out there. It just needs to be, I think, a little bit clearer that when you vote yes what that means and when you vote no what that means um, I just have read it up and up myself and I know what it means There's been very little information about it I've had three or four um, politicians come to the door and one of them didn't even want to debate the thing with me they, they walked away we're doing our best that's all he said so basically the divorce thing is, is fairly straightforward but they really want to bring out more information about it let us know what, what's, what's really happening you know not really. Thank you. Just that uh, it's waiting too long for a divorce to come through. Like, I'm, I'm with a partner now, and he's waiting on a divorce, or he's waited on it now years, and it still hasn't come through yet. So you'll be voting yes in the referendum? Yeah, definitely yes. <laughs> I don't know a lot about that, so I don't, to be honest, which uh, it, it's not exactly saying how long they'd like it to be separated or anything. But anyway, it's up to everyone. <laughs> Depends on the person, doesn't it? Will you vote in that? 
Um, not sure. No, I don't know anything about that. I'll vote in and I have to vote, definitely. So will you find out about it beforehand? It's oh, to do yeah. with divorce and the length of time you need to be apart in order to get a divorce. Yeah, yeah, well, that doesn't interest me at 85. <laughs> There's a referendum and I'm interested. Do you know much about that? Yes, the, the one about the divorce. Yes. Uh, divorce is a tragedy, but it does happen. But I think that uh, it shouldn't be got just like a Chinese takeaway. And I think the four years are nothing wrong with it to, to keep it there because it's a huge, a huge decision to get married, number one, and the children, the children suffer in divorce. And they definitely, I think, four years is about right. So you'll be voting no? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. I'm not really into any of the politics. But <laughs> and will you look that up before voting? I will. There's plenty in my house, so we'll have a good discussion about it beforehand. All right. Well, thanks uh, to those people for taking time out uh, to speak uh, to Marie about and that. And the yeah. interesting thing, Michael, mm-hmm. is that quite a few people wouldn't speak to me because mm-hmm. they really didn't know mm-hmm. anything about it. So okay. I do think... Um, the message needs to be cut out. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll talk uh, some more about uh, the referendum uh, before polling day, which is uh, a week from tomorrow. But uh, the referendum divorce is fairly simple and straightforward in that, as it stands, if you want to get divorced in this country, you must be separated for four out of the last five years. If you vote yes to the referendum, that will change uh, to allow the government to legislate, to change the time frame by way of law. Uh, at the moment they're saying that will reduce to two years uh, but it'll be taken out of the constitution so that can change at any time. If you vote no, well then it'll remain the case that you have to be separated for four out of the last five years and it will also recognise divorces uh, that have uh, been uh, decreed in foreign countries. There are uh, just uh, some of the issues that we'll be talking about between now and polling day and no doubt we'll have more comments. Uh, we'll come back to them probably on tomorrow's programme but thanks for right. the moment Marie and uh, to everybody who has been in touch with us. If you'd like to add to what's been said our telephone number is 1850 Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Well, we're getting into the closing days of uh, the campaigns and politicians uh, looking uh, for number ones, uh, but how they go about that is of concern to people with visual impairments. Kevin Kelly, Head of Policy and Advocacy and Campaigns with uh, the National Council for the Blind of Ireland, has been telling me more. Yes, so the National Council for the Blind launched our Clear Our Path campaign earlier this week and to draw the public's attention to the dangers and the hazards that temporary obstacles are for people who are blind and vision impaired. There are almost 55,000 people in the country who are experiencing a, a degree of uh, sight loss and as they are going out onto uh as they are going about their business, rather, uh, they are encountering lots of different obstacles. These obstacles are left mm. there predominantly by members of the general public who are doing it unwittingly, and we want to try to encourage the uh, public to think about the needs of people who are blind and vision impaired. And is that the problem, that people don't think that this is not intentional, in other words, that people leave things that end up being obstacles for you? The majority of obstacles are very much temporary and man-made for example, wheelie bins been left in the middle of uh, footpaths, um, cars been parked on curbs from people dash into the shop for two or three mm. uh, minutes, signs at the moment for the election being 
too low to the ground and people who are blind vision impaired bumping into them as they go about their business. Um, electoral law wants to state that there should be a minimum of 2.1 metres from the ground in simple terms. That's seven foot. But Michael, you and many of your <laughs> listeners yeah. driving around are quite able to identify a large number of posters that are certainly not seven foot off the ground. Yeah, we're looking at the candidates in the eye, so to speak, or at least uh, the eyes that uh, have been photographed on these posters. Uh, But I gather that uh, some of uh, the visually impaired people that you're speaking on behalf today are are walking into these posters. Yes, we have been inundated uh, from uh, by service users with their comments and their experiences of election posters. We heard of one uh, series uh, example when somebody collided with an election uh, poster this uh, very week and they ended up having to go into uh, hospital uh, because they cut their face and thankfully they're making a recovery but that person was only uh, five foot six so I said to you at the outset of the interview that uh, the posters are meant to be mm-hmm. seven foot so it was clear to us that there's a blatant disregard being shown by uh, political parties and uh, candidates to electoral law and each time there's an election there's a huge public outcry and discussion around whether posters should be erected because they're not very environmentally friendly and they're not aesthetically pleasing and they have a negative impact on our beautiful countryside but the NCBI uh, believes that these uh, posters perhaps should be banned on safety grounds alone, particularly if candidates and parties are going to continue to flout the law. To actually ban them because of it? Indeed, we, we, we do. It is quite uh, serious because if you're somebody who's blind or vision impaired, these posters, when we have an election, are up four weeks in advance and people who are going along with their cane, they're walking into them, you can get them in the corner of your eye, uh, particularly uh, painful, as I said, the example of somebody's face, because these posters tend to be quite uh, sharp. And I think this particular election, uh, the problem is uh, somewhat worse by the fact that we have European uh, elections, local elections and a referendum all taking place at the one time. And there's simply a shortage of space where people can put their uh, posters. And unfortunately, this means that people are beginning to put them uh, down lower. And in fact, we've seen some extreme examples where uh, posters are actually covering uh, traffic uh, signals, making it difficult uh, for motorists. That's a whole other entire kettle of fish but it it really is a a problem and unfortunately uh, for whatever reason the laws of the land aren't being enforced in terms of the erection of uh, posters and whether that's a shortage of staff and local authorities but this is having a really negative uh, impact on people who are blind and vision impaired because when when you are somebody who's blind and vision impaired it takes a great deal of courage uh, Mm. to leave your house and if you're running into temporary obstacles whether that be election posters bins branches hitting you in the face it sometimes uh, feels like as if you're running a a gauntlet and it can be quite confidence zapping and you're like oh can I face really going to the shop Mm. do I really need to go and get that chocolate bar that's only a very simple example yeah yeah yeah. and, and people simply in the mm. public aren't aware. But I suppose uh, it, it's actions. having the independence to do the simple things in life that is important to all of us. Uh, but is it the fact that they're temporary that makes it all the worse? Uh, because I, I imagine that when you make your way to the local shop, you kind of know the route so that when something pops up all of a, a sudden uh, as a surprise, if you like, uh, that's when it might catch you. 
certainly, uh, Michael, because there are obstacles which are permanent fixtures, which when uh, the NCBI's orientation and mobility instructors are out, when they realise that they are permanent uh, structures, they can actually be an aid to uh, allow someone to learn a route, whether to be to go to their local shop mm. or bank. But temporary obstacles that are not there on a, uh, on a daily basis really pose uh, a difficulty and one of the biggest, biggest problems, and Michael, uh, perhaps yourself or maybe some of your listeners, I'm not expecting you to admit to this, but you can probably think back to times where basically you thought, oh, I can't find a parking spot. I only need to go into that shop. It'll only be three or four minutes. Then you get chatting with someone that mm. three or four minutes turns into 10 and suddenly somebody who's blind or vision impaired or has another mobility difficulty has to encounters your car, has to leave the footpath go down onto the public roadway into oncoming traffic to continue their journey, which is very dangerous. Uh, so we just want people to think more about their actions and the knock-on impact potentially they could have on uh, people who mm. are blind vision impaired. And I suppose sometimes people park on the footpath thinking it's a safer thing to do because uh, their car isn't out as far on the roadway, but uh, it's causing that problem in the same way that people probably don't think about leaving their bins out. I know some people in terraced houses don't want to be dragging the wheelie bins in and out of the house and uh, as a result they leave them out permanently. Indeed, so what we're trying to do with our our campaign is to draw the public's awareness and attention to this uh, particular problem. None of our requests we feel are particularly uh, onerous and where possible we want people to be more considerate and as you say yourself, take in their bins, um, put them in a location where they're tight against the wall as opposed to being out in the middle of the path. As part of the campaign, we've written to a number of uh, bin companies because we realise that it's not always the residents that cause the issue. The bin guys, quite busy people, under pressure. Sometimes the bins aren't placed back properly Mm. and they're the ones causing the problem. So we're trying to draw the business community's attention to this particular uh, problem as well. I was going to ask you about dogs, uh, but I don't think dogs are a problem. What about the owners of uh, dogs? Yes, um, certainly the owners of dogs, unfortunately, are a really big problem for people who are blind and vision impaired. Um, The level of uh, dog littering that is taking place around the country and owners not picking up after their dogs is a real challenge uh, for people who are blind vision impaired. Pretty doubtful. Kevin Kelly, Head of Policy and Advocacy and Campaigns with uh, the National Council for the Blind of Ireland brings our programme to its conclusion today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cart McCross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cart McCross Credit Union, O'Neill Street or cartmacrosscu.ie. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.